The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. The Heather McCoy Show. Welcome to the Heather McCoy Show. In our middle segment today, I'll be talking with Daniel Bice, an investigative reporter from the Milwaukee uh, Journal Sentinel, about his story about a wealthy individual who couldn't get his child support payments lowered, so he's trying to use his campaign contributions to get the law changed. But only for his high-income people and precisely only for him. Then rounding out the hour, we'll have Robert Larson. He'll join us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. But first, we'll start with our regular contributor, the blogger behind fillthescheme.com, Neil DeMoss. Welcome to the show, Neil. Good morning. You know, I was just sitting here and working on my taxes, and it occurs to me I might be much better spending my time by seeing how I can spend my campaign contributions on getting my taxes reduced. I think (laughs) I'm going about this completely the wrong way. I think so, too. Um, There's a really good story once about how Intuit a lot of uh, governments actually uh, can calculate your taxes and all you have to do is sign off on it for about a lot of the refunds. And um, Intuit is one of the only reasons why the United States government doesn't do it is because it would kill their entire business model. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, So anyways, the latest news from the Minnesota Vikings front is that a lawsuit has been filed by Douglas Mann with some friends with the charge that the new debts of the new stadium are not particularly for the benefit of the city. The stadium bonds are set to go on sale today, but the sale has been put on hold until the court can make the decision on the merits of the lawsuit. It seems to me whether or not a stadium is a benefit to a city seems like legally shakier ground than the previous lawsuit that got tossed out, which claimed that the states, uh, that the city was illegally using the money without holding a public vote. Yeah, that that seems about right. I mean, the the original, you know, this all goes back to Jesus, ninety eight or ninety nine or sometime way back when, when uh, the city of Minnesota, Minneapolis, voted to um, require a public vote on um, any stadium expenses over ten million dollars, right? Um, so that was going to be a problem when the Vikings came up with this with this uh, plan that was going to involve a whole bunch of city money. So they got around that by having the state legislature just pass a law saying, oh, yeah, that, that uh, city law doesn't count. Um, and man, and these other folks tried to challenge it last year and got knocked down on the grounds that, well, yeah, it should have applied, but the state legislature made a law saying it doesn't, and they can do that. So then they filed this new one, which yeah, I have to say, you know, I'm certainly not a lawyer, but it's a little hard for me to understand what the challenge is. It's that the Constitution says that you can't um, spend city money to um, on behalf of debts incurred for things that aren't a city benefit. And I guess they're claiming this is a state project, so it's not a city benefit. It seems, a little, like you said, it seems a little shaky, but, um, you know, maybe these guys have a better reading of the Minnesota Constitution than we do. Um, the interesting part today, of course, is that the uh, state of Minnesota responded by saying, oh, okay, if you want to challenge this, then you have to file a $50 million bond to cover <laughs> any losses we might have if construction is delayed, which, again, whether you agree with the lawsuit or not, it seems a little unfair if when you want to challenge a law, you have to put up, be able to afford to put up a $50 million bond. Um so, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, this, you know, if the state Supreme Court has to hear 
the uh, this bond request, and then they have to rule on the on the uh, whether they're going to move forward on the on the lawsuit. Um, we'll see. I mean, the 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 thing that really struck me was that the state was claiming, oh, you know, if we don't have uh, the, if we don't sell the bonds today, then um, you know we're going to lose all this money. We'll have to delay things by a year. Which is just another sign that they really did not think out how they were going to spend this money ahead of time. Right? Oh yeah, because um, they, you know, already are looking at shortfalls in the next few years in terms of they don't know how they're going to pay off. You know, they they know how in the grand scheme of things they're going to pay off the money, but the money isn't going to come soon enough, so they have to figure out how to you know refinance to do that. Um, and as I said, I think yesterday on my site, um, you know. You you would have thought that a bill that was written hastily over a weekend in order to stop the NFL commissioner from threatening to move the Vikings to Los Angeles, you would have thought it would be better thought out. But you never know. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, Douglas Mann and his associates have Goldman Sachs on speed dial so they can issue that $50 million bond right away. Well, you know, the guy used to be on the uh, on the local school board, so he's got to be made of money. Yeah, right. Um, the uh, the Vikings' current home, the Metrodome, is currently in the first stages of being demolished. What are the chances that the Vikings will be playing at the Golden Gopher Stadium for quite some time? Um, I don't think it's quite some time is it that likely, because I imagine they'll work all this stuff out eventually. Um, but the idea that they'll have to play at the at the University Stadium for another year or so is probably that. that might very well happen. Um, and, you know, that's either because of issues around lawsuits or issues around funding or just issues around construction. I mean, you know, you never can predict how long it's going to take to build these things, and especially in a you know, cold-weather climate like Minnesota. Um, you know, you have one year where it's a whole lot of snow, and then suddenly uh, your whole construction schedule gets thrown off. So I'm sure that there is a fallback plan for playing at the at the University of Minnesota Stadium for another year, um, even though they'd prefer not to, obviously. Yeah, the, the video that you posted from the local TV channel, that did not look like a lot of fun starting to demolish the Metrodome in the snow. Um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, this is, this is the problem of, of, you know, trying to plan this stuff, right? Yeah. You know, running the metronome in the snow, as people may recall, was not all that much fun either. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so what do you, um, what do you think about the charge that the Minnesota, uh, Sports Authority says that the suit will cost the project 50 million? Um, is that just, um... Is that just a scare tactic to prevent other people from trying to sue on other grounds? I don't know if it's just a scare tactic. <laughs> oh, um, okay. You know, I mean, clearly they came up with that number somewhere, um, though, you know, the it, it only has to be a realistic enough number to, to convince the you know, state Supreme Court. Uh-huh. Um, so I, you know, I think that that's obviously a large piece of it, is that they want, you know, they want this thing to go away and they want it to go away fast. And if they can't get the court to move more quickly, I think they're thinking, okay, well, maybe we can at least, uh, you know, require enough of a, of a cash payment, um, you know, a cash bond up front that these guys are going to have to go away. Yeah, definitely. Meanwhile, in Atlanta, or in Cobb County specifically, the Cobb County commissioners, well, we found out that they don't have a cone of silence, but they do have a hallway in their building, and it turns out the members of the commissioners took turns standing in the hallway during the Braves meeting so they can avoid an illegal, illegal quorum. Uh, besides the per- possible misdemeanor charges that the commissioners might face, but probably won't, uh, is this the big, what's the fallout from the story? Is this kind of like a snowball just escalating and this thing will never get built? Um, I mean, I don't know if this piece necessarily, I mean, sadly, um, 
people don't treat violations of open meetings laws as quite the scandal as, say, shutting down lanes on a bridge. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so you know, it, the, the, and I love this. I love both stories. You know, but I, I actually love, really love the Cobb County story just because it's hilarious. The image of there's only five people on the Cobb County Commission, um, and they couldn't have any three of them together at any given time, or else that would constitute a meeting. And they were trying to um, have this, you know, push this thing to a vote in just two weeks, right? But they had to to, to actually. Uh, inform people about what they were going to be voting on. So they actually had them all come and stagger it so that the rest of them would be waiting in the hallway or in the waiting room. Well, one at a time, they went in and got briefed on what they are going to be voting on. And they went back outside again, and they weren't allowed to talk to each other. And it's completely ridiculous, right? Um, I mean, you know, clearly nobody's going to stop them from, from calling each other on the phone or whatever and, uh, and saying, hey, did you hear what the guy said about the... Um, so it, it was clearly an attempt to evade, evade open meetings laws. I, I still think, you know, the thing that is really remarkable about this is we're treating this like it's happening, and it's been almost two months now, month and a half since they voted, mm-hmm. and we haven't heard boo about the um, actual operating agreement for the stadium, about the traffic plan. There's a lot of stuff that still has not happened. Um, and, you know, it's possible that they're all working on this behind closed doors no more than two at a time. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Is, do you think they're continually rotating as we speak to work on this and we're going to hear about it at another big bang in a couple weeks? I like to picture them with, like, hats, you know? <laughs> so they've got, like, two hats who are the working member hats, and they're only allowed to wear them at any given time, and they have to, like, trade off. And, you know, if you're not wearing the hat, you're not allowed to talk. It would be great. Or, or, you know, talking sticks. Talking sticks, yeah. (laughs) Um, Much like the Pittsburgh Penguins, who were supposed to build uh, housing next to their stadium site, and they have a limited option to do so, and that's quickly running out. But that's another story. It seems like there's an increasing likelihood that the Braves will never build the development around the stadium. Um, Yeah, is I mean, is that going to be a final straw for the Cobb County? Because that seems like the only way you would want to get it built in the first place. Well, but yeah, but apparently they didn't—they didn't require the Braves to promise that they're actually going to build wow. at any given time, right? They just said, "Oh, well, you know, the Braves, sure, they're, they're going to want to do this, so it'll be great." Um, and we've seen this over and over again. You know, in Brooklyn, the Nets Arena was the whole point of doing it was supposed to be, you know, the the for for the community members and the people who did support it and local politicians. They said, "Oh, well, you know, it's not just a—it's not just a, sta- a, a an arena." Um, it's also going to be all this housing. And the first, I remember going way back 10 years now to the first press conference they had, um, you know, the, they had these uh, handouts that said, jobs, hoops, and housing. Um, and they are just starting now on building the first housing tower, and there is no sign when they're going to build the second housing tower. And you see this over and over and over again, you know, where it's like, oh, these guys want to build a big development. It's going to be great. It's going to be more than just sports. But if they, it's only well, they'll build the development if the economic conditions are such that they think they can make money on the development, then that's not much of a promise, right? <laughs> they, would, they would do that anyway. I was wondering, so, uh, is a tower in Brooklyn contributing to a gentrified Brooklyn? Is it kind of like a higher up uh, rental scale or is it affordable housing? There's a piece of it that's affordable housing. This is a huge controversy, actually, in that um, it's there. There's a part of it that is designated as affordable. It's getting tax breaks because it's affordable housing. But um, the 
way that I forget what district it is that they draw a line around decide like you know what the median income is that uh, it has to be able to be affordable for for you know that uh, that income range mm-hmm. um, but it winds up basically being unaffordable for most people who actually need affordable housing so it'll be more affordable than um, you know typical uh, 30th floor condos in Brooklyn or whatever it is but that's not saying a whole lot, given that Brooklyn rents are almost as much as Manhattan rents at this point. Yeah. Uh, the Florida Panthers have stated they are losing $20 million a year, and they are asking for free rent on their arena that they got built free for the, by the city in 1998. Are the Panthers going to wind up being the next Phoenix Coyotes? I don't know. I mean, they, they've got a lease there, so I don't yeah. think they can just they can just up and move. Um but um, they certainly seem to be intent on, regardless, you know, of having zero leverage. They're still going to keep making these demands over and over again, right? Um, and you know, if they they wouldn't be getting as much money, paid as much money as the Coyotes. The Coyotes is like around twelve or fifteen million dollars a year, um, and the Panthers would only get paid four and a half million dollars a year to play in their free stadium, um, their free arena. So um, they would they would be the Panthers' light, I guess. Yeah. So the, oh, sorry, the Coyotes light. Coyotes, Coyotes light. light. What does it say that like two of NHL's uh, franchises they figure they need operating subsidies to continue on? The Sun Belt expansion didn't work, and they're just trying to force feed it. Or I mean, what? I mean, it just doesn't seem uh, fair that the citizens of a particular city have to underwrite a private hockey team that can't turn a profit's uh, losses. Yeah, I mean, there's two there's two competing theories here. One is that, uh, and they're both very believable. One is that the NFL, that the NFL, the NHL is is very stupid and has you know expanded all, all, into all these cities that can't actually support teams, um, and is now trying to fob off its problems on on local communities like like is going on in, in Arizona. Um, the other is that the NHL owners are not that stupid and actually aren't losing all this money, but are claiming to. I mean, uh, the Somebody pointed out, I forget if it was in comments on my site or whatever, that uh, there was an article about a year ago talking about when the Panthers got got their last round of uh, of, uh, of subsidies. I think it was for a new scoreboard or something like that. Um, that uh, they were claiming, oh yeah, we're looking at making like ten, twenty million dollars the next couple of years. Oh, wow. um, so you know, it, the, the numbers change depending on what their claims are, and they may well be losing money. They may not be losing money. Um, but you know the NHL has a long, long history of even dicier bookkeeping than <laughs> the average sports league. Um, so, like I said, I could either believe that um, this is them actually having run their business into the ground, or this is just them just pretending that they have in order to get uh, get the local government to bail them out. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was just wondering if your personal bucket list includes holding a press conference in a cemetery. Well, now, sure. <laughs> Everybody's going to be doing it, right? It's going to be like a flash mob thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is this is the... And, of course, this happens, right? Last week, I posted a, a story, Sacramento Arena Petition Battle, getting ridiculous in too many ways to fit in a headline. And then the next day, the next day, they have to prove me wrong that it wasn't as ridiculous as it possibly could get because then you had the people... Um, who are in favor of the arena and against the uh, initiative, right, the, the public ballot to overturn the arena, the pro-arena people went and held a press conference in a cemetery to try and argue that the um, petitions contained the uh, names of dead people. And I haven't found the story yet, but somebody's mentioned that the number of dead people they found on the petitions was 
two. <laughs> so it was hardly going to be a major scandal, even if they had managed to avoid the bad PR of holding a press conference in a cemetery near people visiting their deceased relatives. Um, but now it's blowing up into a whole controversy for them, um, and apparently the mayor may have been involved in trying to get permission for them to do it, and it really we're so losing track of losing sight of the argument over does building an arena in Sacramento make sense, right? You know, yeah. it's now down to de- debating which side in the petition battle is doing more ridiculous things. Um, I mean, it would be nice, I think, at this point, if they can get it on the ballot just so there can be a vote, hopefully, on the merits of this arena, right, and of yeah. subsidies for it. And we can stop talking about, you know, who's getting, um, um, you know, uh, money for their petitions from which out-of-town donors <laughs> and, you know, whose side has the dumber name for their committee, things like that. Yeah, definitely. In all seriousness, part of that update was saying you know, those four bullet points that was said, can this get any more ridiculous? Uh, the city wants to push the sale of the arena bonds up 14 days before the public vote or the pr- potential public vote. Has right. this been trick been tried before? Um, we tried to sort of jump the gun on selling the bond. Yeah. Nothing leaps to mind in terms of trying to, to do that. Um, I know that usually, you know, you'll schedule, but if you know that there's a vote coming up, right, you'll make sure that you're scheduling your bond sale for August and not December if the votes are in November, right, because you just want to make sure you get that stuff done. Um, I think this is sort of an unusual case because they didn't think that there was going to be a vote until the last few months. Yeah. Um, so now I think they're sort of scrambling and thinking, okay, well, you know, like we were talking about before with uh, the state of Minnesota trying to figure out any way to make this lawsuit go away, I think Sacramento is trying to figure out any way they can possibly make this, you know, whole ballot thing go away. And one way to do it would be to sort of, you know, get the bonds sold before, um, you know, before the voters vote. Um, although, as we're seeing in Columbus, Ohio, right? Um, it isn't impossible to try and overturn a bond sale. Um, it's just very, very difficult. Definitely. Neil DeMoss, he runs fieldofschemes.com, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for being on the show. Cool. Talk next week. Talk to you next week. This is Other McQuay Show.